If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to another latest edition of the MWWire.com football podcast. That's a word intro, Matt, Mountain West Wire. I don't usually start that way, but I did, so deal with it. <laughs> it's the off-season. We're, we're, we're workshopping. Hey, we're if fine-tuning you missed, just like everybody on the field. If you missed the last time during basketball podcast, I started the Mountain West team. I'm like... I laugh heartily and tell Andy, I'm like, we're keeping it in because that's what we do. One take podcast, essentially, unless something really weird happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we're back for football. I guess um, we're in the offseason, obviously, week, uh, I don't know, what, week two of our offseason, technically. We do have Air Force spring football, but that's not what this show is about this week. We got our initial power rankings, which uh, usually we kind of, Matt, we did them like the week of like the championship game, but I guess we didn't for some reason this year. Or in other words, I didn't really do it until just now. So we're talking mm-hmm. about that. We got SP Plus coming out. They're returning production. Some coaching changes throughout the conference, which could have an impact. We'll get to all that type of stuff. Um, besides that, anything uh, of note? We need to discuss. We got spring football, I guess. If you're watching some FCS action, but I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're a New Mexico fan right now, you're probably feeling at least a little bit of Schadenfreude at New Mexico State getting run out the door by Tarleton State. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that'll work for you, right? <laughs> Yeah, if that that happens. Uh, but yeah, there's a. I guess I guess we should do some spring football updates. I don't know. I know Air Force started, but you can't do anything because besides the academy saying no, you can't watch us. It's also still you know the pandemic still going on that type of thing. <laughs> so, but I don't think we have confirmed dates for like Hawaii, San Diego State. I know Aztecs typically start soon, but when that stuff comes out, we'll kind of get to it. But let's do the let's do this. Let's do the coaching changes first because you kind of brought them up a couple I may have missed. Which one do you want to start with? Which one are you, is, are you most passionate about the recent changes from who was it? Hawaii losing coach, San Diego State losing a coach, but CSU gaining their offensive coordinator. Any coach or team you want to start with? So I think if I was going to start anywhere, I might start with San Jose State and, and Ryan Gunderson, the quarterback coach, moving to UCLA because – you know, the quarterback development for the Spartans over the last few years has really been one of the biggest turning points in that program underneath Brent Brennan. Because, you know, we knew that Josh Love had, you know, talent, you know, in his, you know, brief tenure and let's say like the first season and a half where he was a little bit injury prone going into 2019. And then when he turned the corner and really, you know, even if the, the results didn't show up in the win column, you know, the fact that he was able to go out there and be offensive player of the year was, you know, I would say the biggest hallmark of that. And then the fact that they were able to replace him pretty seamlessly with the guy like Nick Starkle, who had an up and down career in his own right, um, you know, in, in two stops at power five schools, 
winning the conference championship, being just as efficient on the offensive side of the football, especially when it came to throwing the ball, it's going to be really interesting to see how they replace him because, you know, UCLA has got a talent of their own and Dorian is Dorian Wright Thompson still there? Or did he declare for the NFL draft? I don't recall. I think DTR is still there. I can double check while you're keep going. Um, but Bye-bye. anyway, you know, but uh, so I was wondering whether, you know, offensive coordinator Kevin McGiven might get more run in the, in the coaching carousel this past off season uh, in the same way that Brent Brennan did himself. But, you know, even, you know, though Gunderson maybe flies under the radar as a position coach rather than a coordinator or a head coach, it seems pretty clear that, you know, his contribution and how they replace him uh, is going to be a tough job, you know, for whoever does that. He, just so you know, he is returning and there could be a quarterback race because he was basically 90th in the country in like uh, passing yard efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think... You know, for UCLA, getting a guy like that to, to help shepherd him along, because, you know, Wright, Wright Thompson was a five-star talent. Athletic, yeah. And, you know, they've seen flashes from him down there. They just haven't been able to put all the pieces together. And so, you know, having Gunderson's guidance could be, you know, part of what unlocks that for the Bruins. I think that's what they're hoping for anyway. Um, but I think among the, the small-time moves, among the position coach changes that have happened over the past week or two, I think at least right now on paper, it seems like uh, Gunderson's departure is probably the biggest deal, which isn't to say that the other the other names out the door aren't big deals. Um, you know, because San Diego State lost their offensive line coach, Mike Schmidt, to Syracuse. And, you know, we saw what that unit was able to do to help them kind of revitalize the ground game last year. Obviously, the, the offense as a whole wasn't where they wanted it to be. But I think, you know, he's shown that, you know, having a hand in, you know, developing guys like, you know, Zachary Thomas, like like William Dunkel on the inside, you know, recruiting and developing those guys in the in, uh, on the line is a pretty good big deal for them and what they want to do. And so for an offense that seems like it seems like their identity is pretty much set and it's a matter of just kind of, you know, tapping into the talent that they brought in over the last season or two under Brady Hoke. Again, a similar kind of challenge. Um, but I think compared to Gunderson, that may not be white as tough a hill to climb well, i'd say with the san jose state you're right like love kate like almost came out of nowhere because remember like i brought it brought up multiple times remember before he hurt his knee and they like he was keeping you i think he left in the university of utah game where it wasn't the 2019 utah team that was like top 10 near the playoff it was the year before where they're still a pretty good team they still went to the pac-12 championship game in 18 mm-hmm. and they were reasonably close to utah they weren't going to win but it wasn't a blowout and he's keeping them in game because just how Utah plays their defense, secondary, it's always typically press coverage, one-on-one, you versus your guy, that's it. And he was exploiting that for a good chunk. And so you have him doing that, then you have the tr- Nick Starkle come in, transfer, and he's going to be back for what he did. Like, he was amazing this past year. And so I, I think this might be the biggest loss. It, it may not be because if Brett Brennan's there, obviously he's returning. Starkle's going to be back under center. They lose Trey Walker. They have a couple other guys. But it's still a position where – they developed love because think of it this way: Starkle and very obviously we know how practices went. But not a ton during spring, if nothing, couldn't really practice to during the preseason when it started. So it begs the question: Was the QB coach more responsible for Starkle, or was it because Starkle's bounced around and competition wasn't quite as good of what he was playing against? So I think it's it has to be kind of both because I'm not sure. I don't know who would you give more credence to, like him playing, stepping down to competition, or the QB coach and hey, here's what we do. 
still important. Um, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think a little bit of both because, you know, as a player, you have to put in the work in order to improve. Obviously. But, you know, I think having it seems pretty clear that the staff that Brennan put together at San Jose State had its act together more so than than Chad Morris at Arkansas, let's say. Yeah, like he was he's gone quickly, so he would, must not have been very good. Like mm-hmm. he, he lasted, what, a year plus at Arkansas? Yeah, something like that. Something ridiculous. But it is both. You're right. Players put the work in, but a coach also has to like help you in, in these circumstances, know the team, know the player, and stuff like that. Um, the other, the, what was the other? Oh shoot, the other we mentioned before. I can't think of it. Hawaii. Um, Brendan Marion. Yeah, Brent, sorry. I, I was going to say, I, I had Brent Brennan on the mind. I'm like, no, it's not Brent. Brendan Marion's going to Pittsburgh, which it's. It, I don't know if it's a big loss. As, on the surface, it, it's like, oh, you lose this guy who has this unique offense that he brought up at the SCS level, but also he's only the wide receiver. I don't want to say only, but as a wide receiver's coach, how much um, like input of the offense do you really have? So there's something to consider with that, but him going back to Pittsburgh, isn't he from the area and played at Pittsburgh as well? Isn't yeah, where the connection yeah. comes from. Yeah, and he and he's had you know history in the East Coast in particular. Like mm-hmm. he came to Hawaii from William and Mary, and then I believe Howard before that. So it's not like it's you know it's not like he's out of his depth or, or going into an area that he's not familiar with or anything like that. But I think. If nothing else, what I wonder about as it relates to the Warriors, in, in you know, especially in year two of the Todd Graham era, is how much you know the how much of the innovation that he was able to bring. Because obviously we've talked a little bit about his you know Google offense that he helped install uh, on the FCS level in those two programs in the past. And I'm guessing you know when you look back at the film of, of how Hawaii played, obviously they weren't the run and shoot offense that we had seen under Nick Rolovich in, in prior seasons, there was definitely a lot closer to a 50-50 run-pass balance. And I think, you know, to your point, one thing that was notably missing relative to years past was the explosiveness in the passing game. Like, we, we definitely saw more of it in the ground game, especially as, you know, Siobhan Cordero, quarterback, and Calvin Turner, as kind of a Swiss Army knife, took on more of the load, that they were able to recreate or recapture some of that explosiveness on the ground and so I think in that sense, it may not be that big of a deal. But, you know, you have to wonder what he was contributing kind of to the offensive staff as a whole that they that'll be hard to replicate. Yeah. If you want to read a good piece, For the Wind did a really good piece on him back in the offseason, I think during the summer. So go check that out. Mm-hmm. It's one of the longer pieces. They usually don't do this, but kind of a longer type deal on him. But you hope they bring it in because we know you mentioned that they're not running shoots. And his offense wasn't necessarily passing, but I think the Turner aspect is what brought what brought in a lot for what Marion was doing. And we saw what Turner did, like, was it game three or four, when the running game wasn't working well? they like, okay, you'll get the ball, you'll get a short screen pass, you'll be a return guy. He is a guy where, like, this upcoming season, like, with Calvin, like I'm all in on Calvin Turner. I don't care. I could buy as much as I'm serious in, like, I'm all in on him because he's going to be a guy, like, like, who's the last guy they had that you in the Mountain West that did that? You had... um. I guess Rashard Penny, kick return, but run, like running back. You had, what, Chad Hall at Air Force, who kind of could be that type of guy back in, what, mm-hmm. 2000. Like, he's a guy, like, an Eric Weddle-type player in University of Utah, where he actually played quarterback, kick return, DB. Like, there's not many guys in the cross league. Avery Williams has, did a good job as DB and returner. But, like, there's not many players that do this type of thing. I guess, um, oh, shoot, who's with the uh, Eagles, the Boise State guy, a couple, two years ago? Um, oh, shoot. 
a little bit, like where he gets gets in the ball a million mm-hmm. different ways. And so I would hope they wouldn't abandon that because look what Hawaii did the last part last part of the year in a couple of games. Yeah, they had to make a comeback versus Boise State to make it look respectable. They had to put up a lot of points, but he's a guy where, like, when the running game wasn't going, like, well, let's get him the ball. And so I think it could be a bigger loss, but you also hope or realize, like, Todd Graham has been around at Rice, Tulsa, Pittsburgh, Arizona State. He would realize, hey, if this works, it's not necessarily our plays, but it's like there's no intellectual property or trademarks and plays in college football. It is yours. Whatever it's out there, it's a copycat league, and like nothing's copying. But you're part of our team. We know what you did, and you brought a little bit of difference to the team. And keeping the aspects, at least some of them, that know they work, because we know it wasn't fully installed. Because again, mm-hmm. he's not the coordinator; he's a wide receivers coach. But what was Calvin Turner? A wide receiver initially turned into a running back. Obviously, return as well. But I think they should keep that in there. Whatever plays worked, like kind of a expand on it, run your own plays out of there, do something, or just find ways to get him the ball. And with Miles, is Miles Reed back? I don't know for running back if he's coming back. No, he he transferred, I believe. Oh, that's right, he transferred like with what two games left in the season, I think something late. So like, not that he'd be full on running back, but you'd want to find ways to do it. It's like when you bring these coaches in like that, it's like even if they're for a year, they can make an impact down the road. Where hey, we brought this one guy in who does something specifically. Well, it's great. We'll keep doing it despite him going somewhere else in tears because people realize how talented he is. And I think out of the losses, it's probably one of the bigger losses I would see overall just because we could slowly start to see the impact after like game four and five. Mm. So the last one, or do you have anything to add on that for the Hawaii change? No, I think that's about it. And then Um, as far as, you know, as far as the last one, it's more of an addition mm -hmm. than a subtraction at Colorado State. I, you're more bullish on this than I am. Bringing in Wisconsin quarterbacks coach John, is it Bud Mayer? Bud Meyer? Yeah, I believe so. One of the two? Coach Bud? Mm-hmm. Is that probably, mm-hmm. probably as we call it. Everybody calls him Bud, probably. But just, just guys being Buds? Exactly. <laughs> sure thing, do it. So, with CSU, we saw how kind of a, can we say it was kind of a disaster last year a little bit at times? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to get some approval of that. But they bring in, they lose, um, we talked about it. They lost OC before a couple weeks ago. They bring in Bud Meyer to to make their replacement from Wisconsin. So I we heard it before. You kind of shot back at me quickly, and I'm going to defend myself here. This proves okay. through- I feel differently than you do about it. I'm not just going to say you're wrong and right because there's no wrong and right answer really. I don't think in this, but I, maybe there is. I think the one correct answer bringing him in from Wisconsin solidifies Rams are going to want to be more pro style and more run heavy. Than they have been before, partly because we know what Bo, or not. Oh, geez, not Bobo, but <laughs> but what a coach Adazio does, and he wants to run the ball. Because remember, he had a Heisman finalist in in um, running. It was AJ Dillon from BC a couple years ago. That that's mm. that's what my thinking is because obviously they don't have Warren Jackson. They're not going to have this amazing receiver group that we know of the past four years, going back to like um, Michael Gallup or Shard Higgins. They're going to want to be run the ball more, which is interesting because they still have Todd Centennial as court, as one of the quarterbacks on the roster, and he. Was anything but a traditional quarterback, and it flopped. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, and and I'll allow you your defense in a moment. But I think what Colorado State had in mind when they decided upon this hire is, I'm guessing they looked at his recent history of developing young quarterbacks, in particular, because you know last year, you know you, and I'll probably say this over and over again throughout <laughs> the offseason, it's hard to take a lot of 
big overarching messages from the 2020 season just because it was very weird all yeah. around. Mm-hmm. So like when you look at you know, the big 10 passing offense numbers and you see that they were eighth in terms of like, um, you know, passer rating, for instance, that may not necessarily mean all that much. But when you go back to the previous two years, you know, you see that they made a jump from 2018 to 2019. And I think it's that 2019 figure in particular that you look at where Wisconsin quarterbacks completed 70% of their passes. You know, they, they only had 18 touchdowns against five interceptions, but they finished third by passer rating. And while the Badgers are never, ever, ever going to confuse anybody with, you know, Ohio State, let's say. Yeah. You know, the fact that he was able to bring along a couple, he was able to navigate, you know, offenses with three different quarterbacks across those three years. Like first it was Alex Hornibrook uh, with, you know, with a little bit of Jack Cohen thrown mm-hmm. in. And Cohen held his own as a starter back in 2019. That's that that kind of highlight year yeah. that I think we call it, say, definitely had their eye on. And then when Cohen, I, I think he got hurt. They had some some injury issues, I believe, at quarterback uh, at Wisconsin over the last couple of years. But then he brought along Graham Mertz, who I believe is a true freshman. And I think all things considered, when you look at that, he had you know completion percentage over 60 percent, you know nine touchdowns to five interceptions. You know maybe you wanted a little more explosiveness, but I think all in all, considering the fact that he was you know <laughs> starting at Wisconsin as a freshman. You know when there really were no other op- options. Pretty big deal. That it was probably probably the best kind of situation that you could ask for. And you know, obviously, I think you and I are both dubious on a guy like Santeo, for instance. <laughs> but you know, you re- you have to remember that Colorado State brought in a quarterback prospect, Luke McAllister, that they are very excited about mm-hmm. out there in Fort Collins. And I think that's what you look at. You you look for the guy who, you know, it may not necessarily be about this year. Maybe Cinteo is more of like the stopgap, obviously, yeah. than a long-term solution. That should, that, but, that's an awful solution. If, you had Patrick O'Brien, who is probably the quarterback that could fit their offense, what they want to do, even if they don't throw downfield, is not as open. He's the guy who can make any almost any throw. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't get that, but sorry, continue. I mean, I'm, I, I think you have to look at this as more of like a like a three or four year higher than a one year higher. Like, yeah, Centeno's probably going to be the starting quarterback for most, if not all, of 2021. Okay, let me go and, readjust my power rankings real quick because I didn't consider that. <laughs> but, you know, you look at who they're bringing in, and McAllister's not the only quarterback. If I remember correctly, they brought in two or three different quarterback prospects. And so you're looking at Bud Meyer as a guy who, you know, if those guys redshirt in 2021 and then they start making a serious play for becoming the starter in 2022, you know, that is the window I think you're aiming for if you're Steve Adazio and if you're Bud Meyer and by extension kind of the, the Rams fan base where next year is probably more of a transition year where they're likely to be a lot more up and down. But with the talent that they have coming in, especially from this year's recruiting class, you know, you're you're looking at you know the fall after this one as being your kind of start of the the climb to the top of the mountain division, I think. He, that, and that's where I think Bud Meyer can really make his make his his paychecks is, is in developing those quarterback prospects that are very highly regarded. Do you? Ha- I didn't look this up, which I probably should have. Do you know how off, like offhand how long he was there at Wisconsin? Uh, three years. So, th- three years. So eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. And you did mention the big jump, which it was there. And this year, it's hard to really take too much from anything. Even like, even like, if we're talking about San Jose State later down, like how, if they're how high they'll be, it's like are they going to stay there at the top? They're going to be close. It's hard. You were correct. It's hard to tell. 
But like CSU also is only six in the Mountain West in recruiting this mm-hmm. past cycle. So I just like it just doesn't make sense because the Rams like when they got rid of like Mike Bobo, they weren't obviously they weren't great. They were just kind of treading water. But like you bring in a guy where you're telling the fan base, Matt, that this 2020 it was a bad year, and like we could toss it out, but it still wasn't great because there were areas where we could see where they could have been better. And then there's also all the other stuff we talked that hasn't been resolved really about was there racial stuff on abuse or whatever allegations that happened back in well, August September is that still going on? There's also a lot of bad stuff going on the program unfortunately. But you're gonna tell fans okay 2020 it was washed to everybody but it still sucked. 2021 we're gonna rebuild with this quarterback who we know couldn't really play. But in 2022 we're really gonna make a big jump with another new quarterback. Like year I mean, three, I might, I might be presumptuous too. I mean, nothing says that you know McAllister, Chance Harris, I believe, and or Walter oh, Burkle, Those are the those are the three freshmen that they have coming in. Nothing says that none of those guys can't come in and, and start making a play for the starting. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that a true freshman started for a mountainless program. I but get, I think you're, I you're hiring Bud Meyer to bring those guys along at whatever pace it takes for them to to finally get over the hump and be a more effective offense, especially when it comes through the air. No, I hear you, but it's like when you if, if you're trying to sell a kid, yeah, we'll be good in two years when they've already had three straight losing seasons. They could have one next year, four. You're like, I'm not bashing your thing, but I'm just kind of thinking of the pit and thinking about what's going on out there. It's like we know this year's going to be tough because you lose other guys on the team. You're losing the quarterback. You weren't that great. Like who's going to run the ball? A new OC. Okay, I like maybe five or six games. Like if we look at we'll get to the rankings. Like if you look at the Mountain Division. We already know the West Division's improving. Like if you're in the, if we're being honest, the Mountain Division, the only team I put them ahead of, which I did, was New Mexico. That's it. Mm. Like even though they beat Wyoming somehow last year, but the ACC school coming in to have two losing seasons, and you're going to tell them year three we're going to compete. Like it's going to take longer than that. I don't see them having like a San Jose State type or Hawaii type jump one year going from like this next year. They're eight magically eight and five, or let's just say they go like five and seven. In twenty one, the twenty two, they can go nine and three. It's like mm. I, I that seems like they're if that if that's the path they're on, where we have a bridge quarterback, if he is the best guy, who I'm so questionable about for what he played, but I'll give him benefit of the doubt a little bit because they'll get more time to practice and train with everybody. This hopefully this spring and next year should be more hopefully more back to what football would be typically at least practice wise and what you can do. I just. If I'm a fan, I hear somebody tell me, I'm like, I don't want to be a fan anymore of this team. It's going to take me three more years and five straight losing seasons. Mm-hmm. But a hire could be fine. Like, I'm not, the hire, again, leads to me them being more of a pro style team, passing more. And heck, who doesn't want to be like Wisconsin, right? Like, every, 89% of the the whole Mountain, or not Mountain West, but FBS would likely be Wisconsin. Like, they're fringe playoff contender, typically in the top 15, top 10. Like, they're fighting for playoff berths and winning the Big Ten. Like, they're right there, like, in that con- con- contention. So you bring in the mm-hmm. OC who can develop a quarterback. And Rams have gotten good quarterbacks. They just left. But they're, if they're going to come in and focus on the run, that's fine. And have a quarterback like, hey, you can be above average, which I obviously you have to be. But I think that's what they've shown in the, in the Big Ten a couple of years. They've been about, well, maybe average or close to it. But in certain metrics, like, touchdowns are never going to be there. But I looked, same thing, their completion percentage was number one. They were number three in QB rating. They're not going to beat you downfield. But if that's the case, like like you mentioned, like true freshman start at QB, that's right. But like if if your case is Todd Centennial or this fr- true freshman and you're going to struggle anyways, why would you go with Centennial? I, I, I would not do that at all. No, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. 
But I guess we'll see what happens. That's what. That's why they got spring ball. I guess so. Do we know when it starts? <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head. No. We'll have to uh, check on that later. All right. So, is it time to get to uh, power rankings? I'm guessing. Yeah, let's do it. Or do we want to do SP plus stuff for turning production? But what? Where, where would you like we to? We can start? kind of. We can kind of weave all of them in. All right, because they're all in the article. I, I we I posted the article. Everybody contributed to the power rankings. So. How we do this? We go one through twelve. I'm just wondering how we should. Uh, we'll take a minute about every team. I guess should we just start at the bottom and go up. Yeah, let's do it. UNLV number twelve. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise. <laughs> no, I mean, and the, you know, we've mentioned before how they have some pieces coming back, but you know, it's 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 going to be a, very much a work in progress in 2021, the same as it was last fall. Yeah. It's going to have to be. Like, there's no reason yeah. for us to say they're going to be this great team. Like, being at the bottom doesn't surprise me. All. Like, like, they're near the bottom returning product in SP+. Their production returning is not great just because of guys they're losing. They're near the bottom of that. Like, their offense... I mean, which, I think is, if, you're, if you're looking for you know, a narrative to, to possibly build upon going into the, going into spring ball, because I think that's where you have to kind of start prefacing everything. It's the discrepancy between how much they have coming back on offense versus on defense. And, you know, obviously the offense is, you know, they had their quarterback shuffle last year. They, and then by extension, you know, Charles Williams had trouble finding running lanes consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really ha- I mean, they had a couple of young playmakers and things like that. But in terms of percentage, you know, you look at the fact that they're 121st as far as returning production on offense. But they're in the top 40. They're nearly 80% on defense. And you start to wonder, okay, we know that they have at least one or two keepers on that side of the ball. You know, like Jacoby Winman looks like a becoming disruptive force on the defensive line. We know that they've got a, a couple of very highly regarded defensive linemen who can possibly contribute as well as edge rushers and, and, and things like that. So where else is that? Where else is going is that returning production going to pay dividends? Because, you know, I think you know both of their starting cornerbacks, or I think two of their three that saw a lot of playing time last year were, were true freshmen. You know, so those guys are going to be sophomore. They're going to have you know most of their trial by fire under 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 their belts by this point. And so, I think again, it's probably not going to be pretty for long stretches. But it's going to be really interesting to see how those guys progress now that they've had a year in the system that Marcus Arroyo and, and Peter Hansen are, are developing out there in the desert. Because it may not be – like I don't think they're going to contend for a bowl or anything this year. No. But I think what you're looking for if you're a Rebels fan is just signs of progress. Like you know, more stretches of them hanging around. I think what you kind of want to see is what you saw from just. I think the, the the clearest analogy is a team like San Jose State, where you, even if it didn't show up in the win column in in 2018 and 2019, that they they gradually got more competitive over time as Brent Brennan built out the systems and stuff like that. So I think you want to see something similar from the young guys who got a lot of playing time last year. No, that makes sense. But I, I, yeah, we'll see. I don't expect them like this is a job really where year three is where we're, we're, we're yeah, where I could, if I could speak, where we will really see something from them. I'm guessing. Yeah, and because again, remember also Justin Rogers at quarterback, he didn't really play a ton because of whether health issues or I think it's mostly injury or stuff. Like he actually showed to be decent when he had time, 
But mm. he got like was instantly out for he had to wear the orange red jersey or orange jersey on the sideline during games for whatever reason. Like if he's there, we mentioned they have all those young wide receivers on the team that should be helpful. So like I think a jump will happen, but I think the goal would be like don't get blown out this year and maybe one extra game or two you weren't supposed to. Yeah. So and they're going to Mexico and they're kind of the same boat at number eleven there. Their issue, I guess, would be. I don't know. They played well those last two games because you saw, obviously saw Fresno State mm-hmm. game. They had that upset win. They played pretty well with a fifth-string quarterback. So they'll have to maneuver through the quarterback situation. Um, but they have a couple – they might have a couple pieces. But, like, with Danny Gonzalez and what Rocky Long are doing, like, they're, they're not giving up. They play well at least the past couple of games. And, if again, if we – not to rehash all of last year, but there were multiple games where they were – not they weren't getting like steamrolled or crushed. There were a couple of games like they almost beat Nevada, like they're hanging close with them, and they're a team where, with that confidence, where honestly the year wasn't that bad if you think about it compared to years before where they're getting their head crushed and losing like by thirty forty points. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case, and I think finding the quarterback will be a big key, and they have enough experience. Cause it's, do we have any idea if to, if to, Toyota's going to even return? Like he's been around forever. Like, I believe he's still listed on the roster right now. Okay. I don't know. I'm just wondering because everybody gets extra year, so I'm not entirely sure. But maybe he's – I, court- I mean, you, you mentioned people returning, though. And I think mm-hmm. if if, if – and, and I hesitate to douse water on the optimism that Lobos fans, I think, you know, they have a right to feel, especially after finishing last year strong. But it is worth noting that at least by the preseason SP Plus projections, they have the worst projection in the conference. Like even worse than UNLV, which we touched upon a minute ago. And on top of that, you know, they also have the worst returning production figure in the Mountain West. So obviously there's still a lot to be sorted out. But I think one thing that they'll have to reckon with at some point is the fact that they are losing a lot of players on the transfer portal. I think yeah. relative to a lot of other teams that have that have had players either, you know, basically they've chosen to come back for like their senior years or rather than foregoing the NFL draft or things like that. But, you know, the Lobos, for instance, you know, they've lost, I think, four guys in their, in their secondary, you know, some of which were, I think, more, more significant contributors last year than others. But, you know, Nico Bolton is, is gone to Kent state. Brandon Burton has gone to Murray state. Jacoby Hearn also gone to Murray state. You know, he's more of a linebacker. Um, but they're also losing, what is it, five wide receivers at this point, too? Yeah, the, there are some issues. I hear you. So, and so I think that, you know, that's something that obviously I think spring having spring football to kind of sort out who's left and who's going to step up is, is going to do a lot to kind of salve those losses. But that's something else to keep an eye on where, you know, it 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 is a good thing, I think, to, to have expectations for your program. But there's a very real likelihood where they're going to end up in kind of that same boat as UNLV where it might be, you know, one step forward at the, at the, at the end of last season, and then maybe two steps backwards in the first half of, of 2021. And so I think, you know, that's something to keep an eye on, especially on that defensive side of the ball where you know, Rocky Long did a really good job, I think, given the circumstances, but you know, there's still, I think plenty more work to do on that side of the ball where, the offense might take a step forward and it may not necessarily show up in the win column. No, you're right. I also think it's like, here's the thing too about which we didn't bring in before, like SP plus part of the reason they're as low as they are is because it's what recent recruiting, recent production and, um, 
No, no, not re- returning production and recent success, right? Yeah. So those are three metrics. Well, clearly, Lobos haven't been all that great the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. The recruiting hasn't been great partly because they're bringing JUCO guys, what Bob Davey did the past year or two, to try to maybe get some experienced upperclassmen guys. So it all it, it's all dings against them because they have like those three things. They haven't played well. Clearly, not having players back hurts. But also this year, it's um, different because, again, who played who, or like who played what, how much did you play, people not playing. So as Bill Steven mentioned, like returning production is kind of hard to really nail down. Yeah, and so, yeah that's true. But also, just really quick, there's a percentage of what it is. I Let me double-check exactly what I put in there. So like it, it's like a breakdown. Like It's not like yard for yard or, or start for start or snap for snap is equal. QB passing yards is 29%. Returning mm-hmm. rushing yards is five percent, which makes sense because running back is a fairly simple position to probably one of the easier positions to come in and play, where you just get the ball and run essentially. So like mm-hmm. receivers, obviously a third. O line snaps a third. Tackles is a big fifty six percent. Like because retru- TFLs or sacks are hard to predict, so they're much lower under ten percent. So there's a bunch of yeah, stuff yeah. like that where if even if you have like the best running back, like say the Lobos had the best running back in the conference, the best running game. And they return like all their offensive linemen or something. That would still only count for not, not even half of their total offense in this formula for returning production. So yeah, I mean the idea, just in a nutshell, is that there are certain factors that are greater predictors of year to year success than others. Yeah, and I think you know primarily the fact that you know college football is increasingly a passing game. I think that SP plus definitely reflects that in the fact that, you know, passing yards, receiving yards, passes defended tend to be those things that factor into SP plus the most as far as returning production is concerned. And so that's where, you know, you look at New Mexico and the fact, like I said, they're losing what four defensive backs and five wide receivers that at least on on paper right now in in late February looks like a big deal. They're going to have plenty of time to sort it out. But that's the kind of thing where, like I said, like I said, it may be one step forward and two steps backwards, kind of throughout twenty twenty one. But we'll see. Yeah. So, well, I don't know what the conference level would be, but I think it's safe to say eleven's at the, a good spot for them. All right. So we kind of move up quickly. We'll kind of go. We have a tie for ninth. Utah State and CSU. So we talked about the Rams a little bit already. So we don't need to do too much on them, honestly. But Utah State new head coach Blake Anderson um, is Chucky Key the running backs coach now. Is that what he's doing there? And Logan. I- believe so yeah so he Chucky Keaton's in town so it's always it's always fun to have him back around but with this team like new head coach obviously they bring in some players from from um oh shoot where do you oh, Arkansas right. State I was going to say Alabama State I'm like that's not an FBS program he brought in the like, former Fresno Rice coming in to uh, play linebackers so that's a good deal they brought over their quarterback am I correct on that too right from mm-hmm. uh, Logan Bonner so how does that work for like Logan Bonner or Rice playing from I assume it doesn't include production, right? Returning production? Because a different um, team? I don't believe so, no. Okay. Just wondering, because like Justin Rice is really, really, is really, really good. And so. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, what, I think that's a blind spot in both. And, and I think SP Plus will get updated between now and probably August. In some fashion, um, yeah. As, as, especially as the transfer portal settles and things like that. But. That's where, you know, you look at the difference between Colorado State and Utah State right now. And, you know, you're one of the Blake Anderson era out there in Logan. I think you can feel pretty good about it just because they've almost immediately brought in a couple of really big pieces on both sides of the ball. And, and, this, and that's not to say that Andrew Peasley wasn't 
bad last year. You know, he he had he was fine. You know, he had his ups and downs, but I think that you know Bonner at quarterback gives them kind of the instant familiarity with what Anderson wants to do that can help them kind of jumpstart the offense going into the spring and into the fall. And then conversely, you know, you mentioned Rice, former preseason defensive player of the year in the conference, went out and was he was he not the the Sunbelt defensive player? I think he was. I I think he was. If he wasn't, you know, you look at his numbers and maybe he should have been. But the the idea is like they're plugging in big time talents at really important positions right away. And that instantly makes them a lot more intriguing than they would have been otherwise. Where, you know, if if they hadn't brought in Bonner, you would have asked yourself, okay, well, how much is Peasley going to progress in a new system, you know, with an entirely new coaching staff, things like that? You know, how is his kind of mobility and and I would say a capable arm, how is that going to fit into what they want to do there? Um, You know, how are those young guys on defense really going to progress? And now, like I said, now they have anchors. And those guys don't necessarily have to be superstars as long as they can be complementary role players. It gives them kind of room to grow without necessarily the pressure of having to, you know, you know, do everything themselves. I think it can definitely be more of a team effort when you have guys who are out in front on at linebacker and at quarterback, respectively. All right, so really quick, he was not defensive player of the year because I went to a well-deserved Tarrant Tarrant Jackson of Coastal Carolina, Fair. but he was first team All Conference. Mm-hmm. So like. But also, I think the defense, Utah State might be back. Like, you bring in Rice, you have guys from last year, like, they're not losing a ton from defense anyway. So, like, this could be a team where the offense will see. Because remember, the Jalen Warren transferred to Oklahoma State. Uh, they bring in, like you mentioned, talking about the quarterback following, bringing him over from his Arkansas State. But the, but the defense, honestly, might be. I don't. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So they they could be like really, really good because last year they were not good. Like yards per game, they had good players, but they weren't really great. Like their yards per play was near the bottom. Like they weren't good, but they have players where they could be good. So like mm-hmm. bringing in Rice is obviously obviously a huge deal, and they have guys like um, I think Nick Henninger is he returning? Do you recall he's a senior? So I don't know. Um, I like, don't know that off the top. Like of him head. and Shaq Bond are. What was that? I said I don't have the roster. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at, like, you don't know if Shaq Bond's returning. Like, there's a couple of guys where maybe we need to get on top of that, like, seniors returning. But, like, AJ Von... 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 Oh, jeez, I can never say it. Von Pachon? Von Pachon. It's super simple, but I see H-A-C-H-A-N-H. Like, he's, like, he's obviously really good. Like, he had games, like, 15 tackle games. Like, they have guys returning that could make it pretty good for this team, but, like, I don't. I think the problem is for us. Like, where did you rank them? I put them pretty low because I don't really trust them. From what happened last year, all the changes that are coming into this year. I think I had them right around this spot. I can't remember if I had them ninth or tenth. But um, to answer your question, Shaq Bond is coming back. Good. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. But I was just wondering because all these seniors, like, are they returning? Are they not? There's a couple things like that where we're kind of questionable or wondering. But, like, I, mm. I could see them finishing higher. We'll get the overvalued, undervalued stuff. But, like, CSU was tied for ninth. I think that's fair from what we discussed before. Air Force is tricky. Because yes. our buddy Sean did stuff. Sean O'Toole did, like, a the pre kind of like a, a spring kind of uh, preview and stuff. They had, like, remember, they had, the, like, the 20 turnbacks, Matt, where, mm. like, was it seven defensive starters or something didn't play last year? So it's a good and bad thing. So, like, the returning production, like, again, SP Plus is weird. Um, 
not even SP plus, but the returning production, which I guess named Bill C. Like that defense says it's returning forty nine percent. I guarantee. Yeah. Here's the thing, and it's not going to include those guys who didn't play, so it actually might be. I don't know how many, but it's going to be a lot higher. Well, well north of probably fifty five, maybe even sixty percent, maybe even sixty five to seventy percent with so many starters from twenty nineteen coming back to twenty twenty one. Yeah, so so to that point, and I'm glad you brought that stuff up because you know when we talk about blind spots in these systems or in these calculations, I think Air Force is kind of a blinking red light Always. where it's like, <laughs> is this accurate? And I think to reinforce that idea, there was an article from Brent Bergman over in the Colorado Springs Gazette about a week and a half ago, where you know the the Falcons are doing spring football right now. They've been installing their offense, installing their defense, and and he talked with Troy Calhoun, and it's actually 40 players. Oh, roughly 40 players who had turn backs last semester. And maybe it's 20 starters. Was, I don't know. That's too many, but go just ahead. 40 players. He didn't mention starters, but he, his quote, as far as whether we were going to see those players in action in the spring was quote, we're going to see as we go. And the way that he framed the Falcons, at least right now, is that they're returning only three starters on offense, which is, you know, Hazeek Daniels at quarterback, Kyle Patterson at tight end, and Brad Roberts. Really? They're calling Hazeek Daniels a starter returning? That's that's very yeah. generous. I mean, he, he he was the starter all year long. He was the whole year? I thought. Yeah. Maybe it's a game or something he came out for a little while. Okay. Well, he he and, and Warren Bryan saw a little bit of, uh, he saw a little bit of playing time in some second halves of games. Maybe that's uh, but what But they're also, he also said they only have three starters coming back on defense. David Urey, Corbin Taylor, Ethan Erickson. This is freaking Calhoun being sneaky and whatnot. Come on. So, and so now, now you know, imagine that 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 gif of, of Will Smith from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air where he's like doing that. Hmm. Yeah, sign. exactly. Because, because what, as Brigham notes, as I'm sure that most listeners recall, it doesn't include guys who probably took advantage of those turnbacks like Demonte Meeks. Mm-hmm. Heard of him? Dakota Wills, yeah. Jordan Jackson. Not bad. <laughs> Trey Bug, Christopher Herrera. <laughs> Uh, James Jones, all of whom play on defense, by the way. Technically, Matt, they have three starters back in offense. That's all. That's what. That's technically, all and and I think that's where the the current return. And again, your returning <laughs> production accounts for those players who played in 2020. Yeah. And so I think to a lesser extent, we'll probably touch upon this in a little bit. I would imagine that accounts for uh, for Wyoming's figures as well, yeah. because they had some opt outs of guys who didn't play, but you know we know they played well in 2019. So. You know, Calhoun, I think, perhaps on brand, is playing <laughs> his uh, cards very close to the vest. Because you remember but, you know, when we talked about the... Wait a minute, where's your... DC? Was it DC or OC? I forget. I think it's DC. It's like... And then it became <clears> this huge story. Like, we were just stumbling across. I'm like, hey, wait, where's the defensive coordinator? Mountain West Media Day is like a week away. And like uh-huh. they named it like third, week three of the season or something officially. It's like, dude, I get it. You're the academy part of the government, but get over yourself. <laughs> Yeah. So, and and as as I'm sure longtime listeners and and especially followers of, of Bill C are aware, mm-hmm. that SP Plus tends to underrate the academies a little bit as it is. Recruiting, just because thing. you know the nature of how they approach things like recruiting and, and things like that are much different than the rest of the college football landscape. So, you know, you have to imagine that the best case scenario means that you know. Not only is are the Falcons going to benefit from all of those freshmen and sophomores who saw a lot of playing time last year, starters or not, but that they'll get the benefit of all of those guys returning who were, oh, by if you don't recall, were part of a top 25 team two years ago. Yeah, 18th, I think they finished. And so, you know, you look at the fact that they're, what, 93rd in SP Plus right now. And I think, what was it? They're 
50 something percent as far as uh, returning production is concerned 54 percent excuse me overall those yeah. figures by the best case scenario are going to be wildly deceptive and so i think if you're looking for potential swings especially in the sp plus projections from february to like august or whenever they get updated keep your eye on the falcons and how they integrate those players who didn't see playing time last year for the for their own individual reasons and how they get brought back into the fold did you have them at what like eighth or ninth or something or seventh i think i had them right around seventh or eighth i don't recall exactly but you know going back to your original point again very hard to figure out because what they look like right now it seems like it's going to be a lot different by the time spring ball finishes elsewhere in the conference. And then additionally, how how they're going to look or what personnel are going to have on the field by you know July and August. Yeah, that'll be interesting because they're low partly because they weren't amazing. But it's they're probably going to be one of the teams like we undervalued right now. So mm-hmm. Hawaii, we kind of touched them a little bit. They need need new running backs. They're seventh here. They need new running backs. Um, obviously, lose the receivers coach. But they return enough talent where this also shows us the Mount Rush is deeper than we think or what it will mm-hmm. be because Hawaii 7 seems way low. I'm, I'm doing rankings. I'm like, wait, is San Diego State 6 on here? I'm looking here. Wyoming's 5th. I'm like, that fit, does Fresno 4? Like, I could see, like, looking at it right now, Hawaii, I wouldn't count it out for them like, to win the West Division again. No, I mean, I think they're definitely in the conversation. And they're 7th here. Think- <laughs> and I think most of the discrepancy, at least as far as I see it, is you know how much do you trust the advanced numbers versus the traditional numbers? Because it seems like there's a little bit of tension based on how they performed by some measures versus others. You know, and I think the the clearest example of this is the fact that you know what was it by you know passer rating, which is you know I think they were what second or third in the conference last year, and. You know, by a lot of measures, much improved on where they were for many of the, the Nick Rolovich years. Uh, yeah, they were actually, I think, third. And they, and they were number one in the conference as far as, like, you know, interceptions and things like that. So, you know, by those measures, you could see that they took a big step forward. But did you happen to note where they were as far as defensive SP Plus in particular? Uh, I, didn't look at de- I didn't look that far. Where they defensively? So, by defensive SP Plus, they're 111th. Oof. Which seems to suggest that there is still work to be done by some measures, and maybe that has to do with the fact that, um, you know, they definitely have a lot of work to do up front, because they were able to get pushed around a little bit, especially on the ground here for most of last season, um, and and maybe that's where most of the discrepancy comes from. I'm not entirely sure, but that's something to keep an eye on too. Where you know, yeah, they took a big step forward in some respects on defense. But it seems like if, if they want to prove that perhaps they're being undervalued a little bit, that it's a matter of showing that they could take another step forward on defense in particular. Yeah, so that – because defense, like, we've, they've been getting slightly better the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think with I think the biggest thing, like, it's slow because, like, things you mentioned in, like, the SP Plus defense, there's more stuff to be either considered a formula or who's returning and who's not. But with what we saw last year, like, they improved halfway through. Shavon Cordero throwing the ball. Like seeing them at 105, I'm like that seems criminally low in SP plus. Mm-hmm. But within the conference, I'm like I could see them being better than Wyoming, even Fresno, even San Diego State. But I could also see some of those being ahead of them as well. It's so like being seven, like the conference. Assuming, let's just assume this really quick. We'll get these teams. Let's say Wyoming and San Jose State kind of stay within range. Like 
there's like Air Force at eighth, like they could way overachieve that. Like if we're looking at all the team, like well, I guess is a conversation for later on in a minute here, but this team and league is going to be pretty crazy with competitive games. I'm assuming. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know if we say this every year, Matt, but uh, like honestly, CSU and below, eh, I don't see them doing much. But Air Force and above the eight teams, like because Air Force is typically it's pretty rare they're going to come out and be bad. Mm-hmm. Like even if they're not good, they'll get maybe six or so games wins. But Hawaii. I touched low, but one of the biggest underachievers I saw here, I guess undervalued, like, is how is San Diego State 6? Like, that seems pretty bad. I get it. Here's why. They lost a lot of defense. They lose, um, it's or not lose, but, like, it's another year of Brady Hoke and Rocky Long's one more year away. And they lose, like, the defense, if I'm correct, I'm double-checking here. Yeah, they're basically the worst defensive returning team in, in production-wise. Mm-hmm. And there's three Mountain West teams, Boise, San Diego State, New Mexico. But yet, as we know, Boise gets their credit because they typically always win and are basically either in a conference title game or right there. San Diego State's basically almost play, like almost even with Boise State is very close. Not quite, but they've been, after that three-year run of, what, 30, 31 wins, they've been right there at Boise State, but they don't get the respect or credit for not being higher. Like, I'm not saying they should be number one in the league, and I didn't put them that high. But I think I put them, like, fourth overall because typically they're always there. And so what would – I know we're not we are speaking to everybody else, so we really shouldn't, but the votes are in here. What's your thought of why are they sixth within the league? Like, I, I had them above Wyoming and Fresno State. I think it comes down to probably one of the first things you said is how much benefit of the doubt do you want to give Brady Hook company – that they're going to be able to replace all of the talent they're losing on defense, especially, especially on the back end. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we've seen them lose, you know, one big trip here. Like we saw them replace Luke Barku just fine. And we've seen them replace, you know, DeMonte Casey and, and Leon McFadden over the last decade or so. And, and, and other guys who failed to, um, you know, failed to come to mind right now. So like we, we've seen them replace talent before. But I think the big test is now they've got to replace all this talent at once because you're talking about three all-conference caliber guys in the secondary and Tariq Thompson, Dwayne Johnson Jr., and Darren Hall. And and all of a sudden, that's a lot of pressure on on whatever young guys are going to step up into those positions. And so I think there's there's that question and then also the, the lingering question, which is it's probably going to be true until they can prove us wrong, is how much offense are they going to generate? You know, especially in a division race that looks as wide open as it as it does right now. So, like we know they have you know a very highly touted freshman quarterback coming in. We know they brought in another quarterback from Mississippi State. Well, Lucas Johnson in, looked great that half first Nevada. Like he was amazing. Yeah, and and also they're bringing in a, a wide receiver from Mississippi State. So like they have pieces, and I believe you know Greg Bell is also coming back. Um, How's Zinkle though? Is his ankle going to return to form? <laughs> I would assume. I mean, if he's a hundred percent, you know he's a force to be reckoned with. No kidding. You know, and we know that they're also replacing a couple of offensive linemen at the same time as well. So there's there's just enough uncertainty where when you compare them, I think especially against the other teams in the division, you know, you look at that returning production number in particular, and the fact that they're only bringing back fifty two percent overall is really where you start to wonder if they're going to be as competitive as they looked on paper in, in at this time in years past, which is not to say that they can't do it, but I think the, the case is a little bit tougher to make than it has been in the last two or three seasons. I think you think so. 
Like that could be the case. I'm, and this, and it's not to say that they're about to fall off a cliff all of a sudden. I think it's just they have a few more questions than we're usually accustomed to asking of them at this time of the year. Yeah, do you, like do you think this could be the year where their offense is better than defense? You can't see it, but I'm shrugging. <laughs> like, like here's the saying: like if Lucas Johnson, what we saw in the first half of Nevada, the great John, great excuse me, Greg Bell, we saw before he got hurt. Like they bring in the I mean, transfers. Let's put it like, this way. Let's let's put it this way. The last year for the Aztecs went about as I expected, where the defense was awesome, the offense was very hit or miss, and they finished right around 500. That was almost exactly what I expected. And you know now that that question of the defense is is not quite as clear, at least right now in late February. And so that's where, relative to like the defending conference champions, for example. Or you know the Nevada Wolfpack or Fresno State who are ahead of them in, in these power rankings, I think the the case for them at this moment is a lot tougher to make. So I'm I'm I, I'm waiting to see what happens before I move them up any more than I would have them right now, which is closer to the middle of the pack. I think one thing to consider, which we'll brought up in the preseason stuff when we get more into it, but no Danny Gonzalez again, and then no Rocky Long again, even though Brady Hook did fine this year. I, you're right, replacing all the talent that wants is a big issue on defense. So we'll see. So while I mean, mm-hmm. you, you say they're, they're fifth, you say they're more close to Air Force because of opt outs? Like in this Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the narrative is the same, especially on defense, where we knew that, you know, guys like Solomon Bird weren't going to play last year. And up front, especially, they did just fine without them. And so, you know, I, I look at the picture for Wyoming right now, I see that. You know, they're, they're 80th by SP plus in the preseason. I see that they're number one in the conference in returning production. I, and, and I alluded to this very briefly in last week's conversation with Michael Katz. You look at the schedule for this year. And I'm buying Wyoming stock. Ooh. Even though the QB new, new court. Cause yeah, if you haven't listened, go check our podcast last time. Michael Katz, we talked about the new coordinator in Wyoming, but even with like the new coordinator, um, Quarterback situation still TBD, and you made you made good points last time. Neither Sean Chambers or Levi Williams have had a ton of starts under their belt. They're still relatively young in actual live game time. What was it? Yeah, the, and like, I, and I can't I can't prove it because I can't find figures for it anywhere. But it seems like relative to a lot of other teams in the conference over the last couple of years too, that Wyoming, if they haven't had severe injury luck. They've had just enough where it's kept them from reaching their ceiling. And I think most notably with that quarterback situation where, you know, we know Sean Chambers, you know, has the tools to be a dynamic quarterback, but we just haven't always seen it because he's been hurt and had season ending injuries the last two years. Um, you know, and same thing with Levi Williams. He got banged up near the end of last year. Xavier Valade got nicked up last year. So if assuming that that regresses to the mean a little bit, you know, if you get to see a healthier Wyoming, especially on the opposite side of the football, like we didn't even mention guys like Alonzo Velasquez, who, you know, he's been nicked up the last couple of years as well. But, you know, when guys like him, when guys like Logan Harris are on the field, they're a much more complete offense. But it's just been very rare to see that over the last couple of seasons. And I think that if they could stay healthy in the spring and into the summer of going into fall camp, you know, yeah. right now, I think you can feel really confident about their chances to make a lot of noise in Mountain West. Possibly. I think also the receiving group was pretty young last year as well. Like, they replaced that whole unit. So, yeah. we'll see who can step up there. 
But it, it could be like I think San Diego State injury wise is similar to Wyoming, where quarterback injured, running back injured for the Aztecs, it kind of fell off a little bit. Like because if they had like Bell and Johnson been healthy, they may have beaten Nevada. At that you know what I mean? They could have won a couple mm-hmm. more games. So I yeah, definitely... and and the and and the thing to note with Wyoming in particular is like we we touched upon some of the splits between who's coming back on offense and in, on defense, and I think we mentioned it most explicitly with like UNLV, for instance. Wyoming doesn't have that discrepancy. Like that 79% is even on both sides of the ball, and which is why they're 40th on offense in terms of returning production, 31st on defense, and then 29th overall anywhere in the FBS conference. So if you're looking at teams that could make a big jump in 2021, you know, if, if it were me, I'd start with the Cowboys. Okay. So you're probably more high than anybody out of these kind of middle-of-the-pack teams? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. All right, let's get moving here because we've been, we're, it's going to be a long show, folks. So enjoy. With the, with the exception <laughs> of dot, dot, dot. Fresno State. Yeah. You're just a homer. That's all it is, man. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, oh, is that all it is? <laughs> <laughs> I, when I saw it, because I put the tweet out there, who's overvalued, who's undervalued? You're like, give me all the Fresno stock. I'm like, I'm looking at them fourth. I'm like, I could totally see that because Jay Kaner back at QB, Ronnie Rivers back at running back, obviously. They have some young receivers, but like the loss in New Mexico, it's like it's not too worrying. It's a little worrisome, but not really, because Rivers they tried to force. First of all, that was COVID influenced, at least to some extent. I'm just saying, there's reasons to say okay, full uh, sorry, not injury, but full strength wise. The injury to Ronnie Rivers, who they tried to force him to get some record or something on the ground, so Mm -hmm. there was that to consider. But of all the undervalued like teams out there, I could like. I didn't put them on top of the, of the West because my team, I was, the, well, we'll get to it in a minute, but I like Nevada quite a bit if you're wondering. But Fresno State, for what they looked in, like Kalen DeBoer, like his first year as head coach, I know he had some familiarity with the program from basically two years before, but it's still a new team, new time head, new head coach. They couldn't practice until like September, essentially, it seemed like. And they were still putting up points, taking care of business, and Ronnie Rivers was one of the most explosive players in the conference. Mm-hmm. Like, this team, like, I, again, I would not be surprised if they win the conference. They're, like, to narrow it down a little bit from, like, who can win the division, but who can win the conference. Like, if I'm saying right now here, February tw- uh, 21st. 20, 21st, yeah. 2-21-21, yeah, folks. That's the day right here. There's three teams I'd pick to win the conference. Fresno, Nevada, and Boise State. Those I mean, are- I, think it's, I think it's fitting that the Bulldogs in, in Wyoming, who we just talked about, are basically neck and neck in terms of SP plus because they're kind of mirror images of one another. Where you know you look at the Cowboys and you see, like you see a defense that's like potentially stacked. And for Fresno State, it's that the offense is loaded. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Hayner, you mentioned Rivers. They've got pretty much every pass catcher of note coming back. I think the only offensive lineman of note that's moving on is Cyrus Tuatel. And they've seen enough guys with enough starting time that I don't think it's going to be that hard to replace him. The question for them is how much slack is the defense going to pick up? Because, and again, you know, some of it was colored by, you know, COVID absences and things like that pretty much from the jump. But, you know, I think it's telling that like Wyoming, for instance, is 107th in offensive SP plus and 42nd on defense. Fresno State is 55th on offense and 105th on defense. Interesting. And so I think if, if the defense improves to average, they could win the division going away. Excuse me? Going away? Yeah. 
Oh boy, that, that's a, that's a bold test. Spicy. That I mean, that offense. I mean, the offense was as good as it was the year before and the year before that, despite everything. Can you imagine how good they could be with another year familiarity and everybody coming back for one last ride? I hear you, but I I wouldn't say going away. Th- that, again, I'm, th- again I'm, I'm bullish. I'm bullish on them. I'm bullish on Wyoming. That's all I'm going to say. Here's what I'll say, people: If you've been listening for years, take trust Matt and take one of these two teams like to win the division or something, because there's typically it typically happens. He picks these teams that come not, I guess not come out of nowhere, but come from the bottom the bottom of the pack or kind of from the outskirts to do really really good. You're pretty good at that, so we should take take. Um, Local establishments in your state to put a few bucks on to win the division or conference. Maybe go with one of these two teams. Mm-hmm. Because you're not wrong in Fresno State. The offense was really good. Like, it's out there. You're, you're not wrong saying, like, could they beat Nevada? Because Nevada will get them in a minute. But it's going to be a team with who they have returning, as we mentioned, the benefits of practicing. Because I guess in California right now, a lot of high school sports can now start returning, in particular outdoor sports like football. Um, I guess soccer, softball, baseball, water polo, stuff like that. Outdoor sports are able to begin pretty soon. So that's, that goes well for having a typical spring practice for these teams out in California, in particular Fresno, who's probably not hit the worst, but I guess they're the latest to start last year. But I'm not mm. going to lie. Like under, of all the undervalued teams in our poll, like not how I voted, but how it looked, like I, I think Fresno might be the lowest one. Like, did you put? I know you didn't put Fresno at one. Did you put him number two, I'm guessing? Uh, no, I think I might have put them third, though. Hmm. Confidence but I can't is recall. waiting there. Number three, do you say they could... <laughs> I don't know. I like this Fresno State team. Um, who do they, they play... Don't they open up with, like, USC or something? Or is that San Jose State? Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me right now. Not a problem. I'm just curious, because, like, you're not wrong. Like, if the offense takes a step forward, which I think they could, and then the defense gets, like you mentioned, even average... Oh, they open to UConn. That's a victory. They go to Oregon week two, Matt. There we go. That'll be a good one. So, I'm not going to be as high as you on them, but of the, all the teams of the ranking value-wise, I think they're the lowest up here. So, let's go to San Jose State. This is an interesting vote here. They had four first-place votes. We had, what, 12 votes overall. Four were first, and then four were fourth or lower. Mm-hmm. So, it's like you either love them or you're like, eh, they'll be okay. I put them fourth because... Again, it's kind of the, the um, reputation type deal with Boise State a little bit, why they get higher, certain teams get ranked. Mm-hmm. It's one year. I still think they're good, but I'm not sold on them winning the conference. Like, how did you come down in your voting for the Spartans? See, I think, if, and I wish I could remember ex- exactly how I voted. But Were I you think, the last one to vote, I think? I think so. I'll see if I can find out why I talked about I might have this. been. But I mean, I think the question for San Jose State is, you know, wh- where their, you know, where their staying power is going to come from, because, you know, they're losing just enough pieces where, like, you know, losing Trey Walker is going to be really hard to replace, for example, mm-hmm. and you know, other guys like that are going to be. I lost my train of thought. I, I, Returning I guys, losing just, guys. Like the the picture isn't as clear just because there's just enough pieces moving on that you know it's not going to be the same team as last year and you know it wasn't like last year's team was a fluke like they won every single game by double digits going into the bowl game mm-hmm. but you know i think some of the some of the 
regression that you might see on offense could be offset by you know another step forward on the defense, for example. Um, you know, but is the defensive line going to be as disruptive as it was last year? I think even Bill Connolly himself, when I asked him whether or what he made of kind of the logjam by SB plus, because you know if you look at the overall figures. You know, Nevada, Fresno State, Wyoming, San Jose State, San Jose, and San Diego State are basically all within 10 spots of one another, right there, kind of in the middle of everything. Definitely. And he pointed out that it might be underselling San Jose State just a touch. So it's not like it's all of a sudden going to be doom and gloom. It's not like they're all of a sudden going to go back to where they were kind of in the in the basement of the West Division. I don't think so either. But I don't think... I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot more competition this time around, I guess is what I'm saying overall. So maybe it has less to do with the Spartans and more of what we expect of other teams where, you know, close games that they may have won last year uh, or, or didn't get to play. Like, you know, for instance, they didn't get to play Fresno State last year. Yeah, or Boise regular season either. So like if on so like on paper right now, who would you prefer between the Spartans and the Bulldogs? And maybe the, maybe that calculus came into play among our staff where – you know, we still expect them to be above average. We expect them to be competitive, but maybe not. Maybe more in that second tier of competitors rather than the top tier that they emerged to last year. That makes sense. Like I, I, I don't know if you put them twelve. I'm not sure if you're the last person to vote because Fresno State's fifth. So I'm not sure if that was your vote or not because you mentioned. Third. Yeah, I don't recall. I'm just. It's okay. But I think that's where the spirit come from. You either believe or you don't believe. Or there could be people. Well, they're the champs, so they'll be number one again. I didn't ask hmm. that deeply from everybody. But like with them being third, there's, it's ca- I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll hang around because how it would be terrible if you're a fan base like oh look at this we undefeated we lost the one bowl game to Ball State under very unique circumstances like half our coaching staff gone and certain mm-hmm. players like not having guys out there like your offensive lineman defensive player of the year in the conference it would it would just be gut wrenching your team was so good oh we got a regular season we can practice. We got our quarterback back there who was really good, first team conference, all conference player of the year, stuff like those type of players back, or just, not player of the year, but I guess the uh, Carson Strong, but you know what I mean, really good quarterback, all, second team all league, and then you go like three and nine, like that'd be mm. a big gut punch. It's like I don't want this year, this past year, for San Jose State to say they're good because you played six games, or whatever it was they played, because they missed Fresno, they missed Boise, but then again they beat them in, in the I guess quote second game, whatever in the championship round. Yeah, I, I that would just be the worst for your team to be that good and just fall off. I think there will be some falling off. I don't, not sure if I'd really predict them to win the conference, but like if they are even even eighty percent of last year, they're going to go like eight and four. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake to dismiss them entirely. Is exactly. what I'm saying overall. No, I agree with you too. So, all right, next team here, uh, and also one reason SP Plus really quick has them probably in the eighties is because again recent production, and so mm-hmm. outside of this year, they weren't very good. So that's yeah, not too helpful. That, there you go. So next is Nevada. Actually, if I had to change a vote, I guess it's the staff vote. I had to put Fresno, but I was the only one who put Nevada first place. I don't – why Why did nobody else follow along with you, Matt? How come nobody else put Nevada number one? Because I honestly don't think it's close. I think they should be running away as first place in the preseason. Okay, so, so explain that for me then real quick. Okay. They return Carson Strong, who – Player of the year, right? Up quarterback. Mm-hmm. They return the best receiver in the conference, Romeo Dubs. Elijah Cooks returns, who didn't play last year injury. Toa Tao is back all conference. They return, I think, two one or two offensive linemen from the from all conference. 
I, if I'm correct on this, I haven't seen anything otherwise, but Don Peterson is back as well, correct? I don't recall hearing anything. I looked around. I double-checked. They are losing some defense, but that offense, like, they were unstoppable. The only time they were they were beat is when Hawaii's D.C., like, okay, we'll let you not beat us deep, and they forced them underneath, and they couldn't quite get it done. Like, for the – and I even mentioned, like, one of our podcasts back in a few months ago, like, late in the season – I'm like they're a New Year, they're my fa- dark horse or favorite New Year's six team at the moment. Like even mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be more than Cincinnati, but they're a team that if they're given the chance, I don't see why they couldn't win the conference. Like who they have coming back on offense, and if Don Peterson's back, he'll be better, which he is because it's past the deadline. All they do lose like defense is only returning sixty four percent, whatever. But they have the most returning offense back, their middle of the pack defense back. I just don't see like. Look how many fifty-yard passes chucked it to Dubs, and look at all those things he caught. Like now they bring back Cooks, they have a Turner there at tight end, and like tell me an offense that's better than them, and a defense that's even say top four. Like nobody's going to stop them. I I just I'm not bashing anybody's vote, but I'm like I to me it's fairly clear they should be number one. So I think what you were speaking to is what I was kind of speaking to when I talked about Fresno State. And I think the difference between the Wolfpack and the Bulldogs right now is that, you know, and again, I think Peterson probably is coming back because I haven't seen anything that says that. Uh, and the deadline's passed. You know, there, was a, there was an article from a month ago from Nevada Sportsnet that says that Gene Orville wasn't expecting anybody to make the, the jump to the NFL draft. So I think if if that's true, and, and uh, you know, Nevada hasn't updated their website with their 2021 spring roster yet. But if that's the case, then I think what you're looking at is a team that, again, like Fresno State, has pretty much every contributor of note coming back on offense. And they also have a head start on defense on the Bulldogs mm-hmm. in that they were, you know, they proved they could be disruptive up front last year, even without, you know, Dom Peterson uh, and others in the bowl game, especially. Um I think if you're looking to quibble a little bit as, you know, how well are they going to develop their young guys on the back end? You know, yeah. can they take another step forward and be as stingy, you know, when it comes to pass defense as they were, you know, up front especially. But, you know, I think we touched upon it very briefly in one of our past podcasts where, you know, guys like I think Lawson Hall is coming back. Mm-hmm. If Peterson's back, that's a big deal. So if if most of their biggest playmakers are coming back, then I can see where your case is coming from. And that even if even if they weren't number one, you know that it would very be it, you know, it would be very easy to see them as like the second best team in the conference on paper right now. Yeah, like that's my point. Like from what we saw last year, like I, I just I, I just thought like I'm just my mind's blown that I was the only one who put them number one. Like I figured there'd be mm-hmm. at least one other person that would have put them number one. Like I know we have a handful of boys you guys in, on there, but like nobody from San Diego State put them number one. You didn't put Fresno number one. Guys who are on their particular teams, they cheer and root for every weekend i just i'm just kind of flabbergasted that it was a one first place i was the only one but also looking at the kind of the results overall like well how did san jose state get four first place votes because i mentioned they got a, the first place votes and fourth the lower state nevada got like overwhelming majority of the second place votes like most mm-hmm. everybody was putting is either boise or nevada or boise san jose number one and almost everybody's number two was nevada yeah. so everybody else feels they're really good i just I just I explained it as well as I could before. It's like I'm just surprised there was not one other person put the number one. 
So, so no, you're leading the you're leading the wolf pack train this spring, is what you're saying? Totally, the pack attack is that the offense, the air wolf, the air raid, whatever we're gonna call it. I forget what the official name. It is. It isn't, but it should be. That's that's what we're gonna keep saying. What is it? We should be after the air wolf. It should be the air wolf. Okay, exactly. Remember, you got pub in the the New Mexico game notes for the road bows. Well, you sort of got credit for it. The name is spelled and whatnot, but that's <laughs> nah, all good. It, it was in there. It was out there because of what you said. But I, I'm like, tell, like, give me an argument. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't see a team that's definitively better than them. Even Boise State, who we'll get to right now, number one, seven first place votes. Like, they here's the thing about Boise State. Like, we, it's part of reputation a bit, but again, they have talent coming back. Like, they will have, um, Hank Bachmar returning. But they lose guys like Avery Williams. These other guys on the roster, they have the talent there to win. Like I'm not saying they won't, but like from what consistently and Bachmar has been hurt the past couple of years. He's out for COVID the past year for a couple of games, not his fault. And like he's not even the top three. Like it, when we started doing QB rankings, I kind of stopped last year, Matt, because nobody's not playing and getting COVID issues. I'm like I'm done with this. It's not worth my time to put a mm-hmm. ranking together. That's kind of rolling the dice when New Mexico puts in the fifth fifth string true freshman non scholarship quarterback. But like when you look at the quarterbacks in the league, like where do you honestly put Hank Bachmar? Because he's behind Carson Strong. I put him behind um, Nick Starkle. Put him behind probably Jake Hayner. Like he's probably four at best for me. I, I mean, if I were to take the optimist's view, which I think I would, I would say he's probably fourth at worst. Well, that's sorry. That's what I meant. Sorry, not fourth at best. But I mean, in that order, he would be. That, that's a poor choice of words. But I wouldn't. I like. I would at that. I guess at best, I mean, I wouldn't put him lower than fourth. That's my point. But mm-hmm. I think he's number four. Yeah, I mean, I think the the question for Boise State, and I, I and I'll full disclosure, I, I put San Jose State first. I remember that okay. much. Um, just because I, I tend to follow the philosophy of you got to beat the best to be the best. That's true. At least at least to start with. Yeah, that's why Fresno State last year too. Remember number one. Yeah, yeah. So you know, with with regard to the Broncos, I think the big question is, you know, the offense. Is gonna it's probably gonna be fine, you know. If George Halani is back to 100, mm-hmm. if Bachmeyer is 100, and everything goes back to normal circumstances, you know, we know Clear Shakir's coming back. Um, C.T. Thomas, the offense is probably gonna be fine. I think the big question, at least right now, is what is it gonna what are things gonna look like on defense? Because yeah, they do have the you know the best preseason SP plus projection uh, out of anybody in the conference, but. In terms of like returning production, you go back and you look at that split between you know offense and defense. And while you know fifty nine percent doesn't look all that bad, you know you see that it's seventy five percent on offense, which is a top fifty figure, and only forty two percent on defense, which is one hundred twenty second. And then you start thinking about guy. Well, okay, how are they going to replace Avery Williams? You know, how are they going to replace? You know, I think they have a couple of other guys who are moving on. I can't remember who off the top of my head. I don't have the roster in front of me. And some of that may be offset a little bit by the fact that, you know, they were so challenged by injury last year that they you didn't necessarily get to see the, the full picture of, of who they could be, you know, like like a number of other teams in the conference. Like they just never had all their pieces together for you know more than a week at a time. You know, if it wasn't Holani missing time. You know, it was it was Bachmeyer out with COVID related stuff or, or things like that. Or they couldn't play so because I, of injuries plus COVID. Yeah, exactly. And so I think by that measure, you know, what whatever percentage that, that Bill Conley puts out there might be slightly deceptive because I imagine that, you know, when you look at the roster and you start, 
you know, penciling in all of those guys who maybe they would have been expected to contribute more under normal circumstances and they didn't get a chance to for, you know, some reasons that were within their control, like, like injury luck, like getting banged up and things like that. And some that weren't like, you know, minimums that led to game cancellations, things like that, that you can kind of, you, I think it's pretty clear that when you add the appropriate context that you can start making a case for Boise to, to come out at least on paper right now as a team that looks like it's ready to accomplish more of the same, which is being competitive, being a, one of the primary contenders for the mountain division, if not the conference title. I agree, but also the rest of the league, as we've seen the past couple of years, is it's not a cakewalk by any stretch. Like this yeah. year will be the toughest. I think this might be the toughest year of the conference ever, almost ever. Not necessarily going back mm. when like Utah, TCU, top 10, that type of stuff for BYU being ranked. But since, I guess, the past half decade with these 12 teams currently in the conference, I think this could be the toughest uh, season to date for everybody. Like the toughest competition. Because Boise's been winning fine, like winning well. Again, it's also it's kind of like the uh, Utah State effect in basketball a little bit, where they go to the Big West, awesome, whack, still great, not as dominant. In the Mountain West, they struggle. Boise hasn't struggled, mm-hmm. obviously, far few and far between games, but it's better competition. Even though if you think about it, half these teams that are playing before in the 2000s, 2010s, Nevada, San Jose, Fresno, oh, get my point, half the league they played against before. But again, like to doubt them, number one would be stupid. And if like if, my biggest thing last year, I kept saying George Shalon, if he's playing, they're going to go. And when he doesn't play, they struggled mightily. Mm-hmm. And so I came back. If Bachmeier is healthy, or not necessarily healthy, but can play a full year, like he's a junior, like he could have a break a year. Maybe they're awesome because he finally gets to play enough enough snaps and consistently playing every week. But like this team, number one, like I have no qualms about it. It's not who I picked and not who I would pick. But as I mentioned, right now there's like the three teams I'd pick: like Nevada, Boise, Fresno, and then San Jose State right behind them to win the conference. And yeah, so, I mean, more so than any other team in the conference. And I'm pretty sure I've said this before past podcasts, but like bet against Boise State at your own peril. Exactly. <laughs> like they're they're fine. They'll be good. And again, the reason they're high in SP Plus, because recent production recruiting, basically every category, they're fine. They're up there. Like it's like, yeah. like again, we're not, we're, we're kind of talking like, I'm like, well, they were great last year. Well, no, they were run ups in the conference. You know what I mean, they lost, what, two games. The BYU game is kind of an anomaly for how it panned out with everything. And again, it was a very strange year. Yeah. And so that's why some of this is guesswork and we're seeing like, but you know, it's not strange. Nevada's chucking the ball to Romeo Dubs. Come on. That's going to keep going. There you right? go. Come on. I, I think like, we'll wrap up here because we, I don't know how we're talking. My, my timer is reset like three times. So we talked a lot. So you appreciative because next <laughs> week, next week we're going to, uh, we're not talking football. So get ready for that podcast. But to wrap it up here, like who is your, like looking at, at our rankings, you're my undervalued, was Fresno, was Fresno State, who's your overvalued team? Like, who do you think who's way too high for the group? See, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I was going to – Colorado State probably. They're too high at <laughs> nine? Yeah. You might be right from how you described them I mean, what you're relative, saying. Relative to a lot of other teams in that, in that grouping and kind of like the second or third tier, at least right now – I understand they have a lot coming back on defense, but I'm, I have yet to be sold on what they're trying to do on offense. I have a couple teams too high. My too high probably would be Wyoming. I think it's just hard to tell. Like I could have a couple undervalued. Like I could see Air Force undervalued, but for what we kind of know, I, I guess I put Fresno and would be my undervalued and San Jose State overvalued. But like overvalued San Jose State because I put them fourth would be like maybe 
fifth or sixth. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're going to be ninth. Mm. But I do like your CSU pick yeah. because, buddy, Rams fans bundle up the softs this season, I'm telling you. I think I agree with you. That could be one of the, the most overvalued teams. And they're already tied for that. We can call it, uh, we can call it uh, guys with a lot to prove. I guess so. Sure, we'll do that. Uh, anything else you need to add for this show? Because we've talked quite a We've gone a long time tonight. Or whenever you're listening no, to this. No, I think uh, I think we're all set. So explain to what we're doing next week because I still need to listen and you've been on top of this more than anybody else. What? So longtime listeners of the podcast will probably remember last, you know, last, you know, the couple of years Hold of iterations of this. Oh, let me interrupt you. Two or three years because there's one year where I blew it and lost the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you may recall um, that there is a, a – competition a, a tournament that goes on where people are enabled to vote for the best song from a long list um last year it was uh what was it march badness which is uh, like the voting for the the best worst song or the worst worst song in the bracket <laughs> two years ago i think it was like goth music three years ago it was uh you know there was like one hit wonders and yeah. things like that ballads so <laughs> this year so this year, it's all about 90s grunge music. And they're sort, calling it March sort of, Platinus. Sort of. Yeah. So what we, would, what we are encouraging people to do is, first of all, to follow them on Twitter, which should be at March X-N-E-S-S, mm-hmm. all one word. Um, but you can also fill out your own bracket if you go to M-A-R-C-H-X-N-E-S-S dot com. You can find an Excel file. You can fill out your own ballot. But the idea is that um, it's kind of it's it's near and dear to my heart because it's the intersection of of grunge music in particular, um, which is what I grew up with, um, but also creative nonfiction, which is what I got my master's degree in. So, uh, starting March first, there'll be lots of essays you can read about lots of different songs, ranging from Pearl Jam to Space Hog to King's X, to Jane's Addiction, Veruca Salt. Uh, and you get to vote on whichever songs you feel is best. So before that happens, uh, Jeremy and I are going to talk about the bracket uh, in the same way that we have in years past. Potentially special guest. I just DM'd a special guest who might join us, so we'll see. Okay, all right. That That's a teaser. If it is. One. You probably know who it is, but we're just letting people out there to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll be touching upon that next week because next Sunday is the 28th and then the tournament's going to kick off the very next day on March 1st. There's a playlist we can share as well. I think you sent it to me. Yeah, if so you... we'll, we, we'll, we'll be sure to share it on like Twitter and, and Facebook and probably in the article for the hey, podcast. Hey, a new Facebook page, which I finally created. <laughs> there you go. So Facebook, if you're listening to this now, go like our Facebook page, Mountain West Wire and Facebook. There was a thing I told the story in Hoops podcast. I got kicked off of admin somehow. I probably got scammed and didn't realize it. And Matt was only an editor and couldn't add me back on. And Facebook, there's no way to really find out how to get put back on. So Matt, I found the like last week before I told you I'm done. I'm like, I think I found it. So I'm like, oh, it's a fraud, fraudulent of some sort. Because hey, I can't log in, I can't get to it. So it must be fraud. I get an email back like within two minutes. Not kidding. Not even a personal email, like an actual. I mean, not even automated. A personal email, essentially, within minutes. They're like, hey, go click on this link to because they're like, oh, it's not really fraud. It's not a double page or something. So I go, it's like, oh, click here. You can, they're like, choose the other option and type in your issue. The other option was black. They're grayed out, so you can't type in there. I'm like, I'm done. Let's just make a new page. There you go. And so check out a new Facebook page. It's the same as the old page. 
just writing stuff on there, posting tweets or not tweets, but like links and videos and whatever stuff we do. So check that out. But we'll be back next week to talk not football. And then by I guess by two weeks from then we'll have some more spring stuff going on and we'll get some off season shows going and things like that. So For sure. Yeah. We'll be back next time. So subscribe, tell your friends, check out the website, and we'll see you next week talking to music. <laughs>